0: Finally, Clemson Sports Talk has come back to drive time. Hello, everybody. Lawton Swan back in the saddle. Once again, it is the show. That shakes the Southland Clemson sports dog for you each and every afternoon as you make your way around the great state of South Carolina and beyond listening to us on spectacular radio stations like Fox Sports Radio 1400 in the Midlands, Sports Radio 100.1, The Fan in Florence and 920 a.m. in Manning. And out of the gate here on the program today, Deputy Athletic Director at Clemson University, Graham Neff joins the program. Graham, what's going on, man? Welcome in.
2: A lot, yeah, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time and for having me. Uh, Friday, uh, been a long week, my goodness. Uh, lots going on uh, for all of us, but in our, our little world of college athletics, um, certainly a lot too. So happy to uh, chat and get into what we can with you and um, hope you're doing well.
0: Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned how busy it's been because I kind of saw this week as one of the moments where looking at the tea leaves, I thought, hey, we might hear something from the Atlantic Coast Conference Then it was starting to look like Wednesday as my show started that maybe we weren't going to hear anything. And then, boom, about 25 minutes into the program, we've got at least a a semblance of a schedule. We know who the Tigers will be playing. What do you know about what went down to pull that feed off?
2: Yeah, gosh, so a lot. And I know there was a lot written between just the the various um, model changes and and certainly when the Big Ten, when it's been two or three weeks now, when they were the first – the first conference to announce um, change in their schedules, they they announced you know just just conference games only, um, and then shortly thereafter, is when the Pac-12 did it, and obviously there's a lot of history with those two conferences, and they kind of work in tandem, so to speak, in in a lot of regards. So those those, those two um, kind of put their put their plans out there, and um, inherently just kind of really focused the the remaining at least Power Five conferences, ACC in our case, of course. On that, But, you know, I would tell you certainly the conversations of alternate schedules, conference only, what does it look like for rivalries, timing, you know, that's, you know, what is the calendar? Are we delaying kickoff? It, ironically, it seems that the Big 12 is, is they're kind of pushing up kickoff um, to week zeros just to buy some more time. So every conference is kind of looking at it differently. But to your point, um, the, uh, the, yeah, the, the Big 12 and Pac, um, Big 10 and Pac 12 from a few weeks ago is really what Um, put everybody into the the upper gear. So the league has been in the ADs and certainly the presidents um, have the, have the ultimate direction from just a a parliamentary procedure standpoint. Um, Been a lot of conversations. And obviously the the 10 plus one is where the ACC landed. Um, There were certainly other model variations considered. Um, And then so that's, that's where we're headed. It, you know, it's been interesting with the, of course, the inclusion of Notre Dame, which everyone right. I think is really excited about. I know it's, it's divisive in some regard. I think from some fan base perspective, of course, I understand that. Um, but then being part for this year and and playing a full 10 game schedule, conference schedule. Um, it you know it, it was mentioned that the you know their their revenues, their NBC television contract is becoming incorporated into the ACC's. Um, distribution for this year. So I think that's really important for those that, um, you know, have thoughts on, on Notre Dame's conference affiliation, that that, um, you know, that's part of their their temporary inclusion here this year. So there's some excitement there. Notre Dame was was previously planning to, to play six conference um, ACC games this year, ACC opponents this year, Clemson being one, of course, um, at Notre Dame. Um, so it's really just them adding four – Notre Dame adding four additional ACC um, opponents to get to the ten with with the rest of us. So, um, you know that was that was kind of in the plans for quite some time, from what I understand from the league standpoint. And lastly, I'll say this um, and pause. The um, obviously the ten that we have, there's some overlap and consistency from the previous eight that were scheduled, right. but it's certainly not the same eight and then adding two. It was very much reshuffled. Um, you know, we added Miami, dropped Louisville and NC State, and maybe added. Um gosh, I don't even know off the top of my head. You you probably Pittsburgh. know you can fill me in. But um, yeah. there you go, Pitt and I know we flipped Boston College. They were we were going there, now they're coming here. Right. So some obviously some some pluses and minuses. But um, my point is why why it had to be totally reshuffled so to speak or, or kind of broken down and built back up is because of the inclusion of Notre Dame. Because if you think about it for Clemson, um we were we had eight and then we of, of conference games that were, you know, typical and then we had Notre Dame as a ninth but some the schools that didn't, didn't have them. And so it wasn't just a, an easy add of, Hey, add the two and go. So um, that was why it had to be built broken down, so to speak, and built back up. And then and the last thing I'll say is as the schedule or as the conference gets into building the schedule, which we, you know, it's still going to be a couple days or a couple of weeks, you know, we don't have a, a date, so to speak of when that'll be released. Um, but the, it, 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 part of the complexity of it is that now the league is, is managing 15 teams, so an odd number. So inherently each week there need, there will need to be one team that has a bye week. You know, that's just kind of from an odd even standpoint. So as as we anticipate the, the schedule being built in and ultimately where, where the bye weeks are, because now there's 10 games plus one, that's 11, over I think a 13-week period um, because the ACC championship has been bumped back a couple weeks. So the, the the bye weeks are going to be kind of throughout, which is normal. But I, I would anticipate that maybe some of the other conferences have weeks where it's like all buys, where you know week seven, whatever, pick a pick a week where the whole league has buys, perhaps, and that'll just be able to to create the future flexibility for reschedule games, etc. And so it'll be a little unique with those conferences. Again, ACC being one that that has an odd number of conference. Um, Members, at least from a scheduling standpoint. And so I know there's some complexity with that as the league is is building the composite actual schedule.
0: He is the deputy director of athletics at Clemson University. Graham Neff here on Clemson Sports Talk today. Some labeled the move by the Atlantic Coast Conference and John Swofford as shrewd to put that additional plus one in there. You're a Georgia Tech graduate. Obviously, you work at Clemson. Those are two of the four schools, including Florida state and Louisville that have an invested rival uh, rivalry with uh, an sec school Uh, from that standpoint, would you label it as a a pretty shrewd move yourself? And ultimately where was your disappointment yesterday when you found out the sec would play conference only games?
2: Yeah. And, and you're right. Lawton. just with, you know, I have some background on on both of those two in, in conference rivalries. The, um, you know, shrewd is a is a funny word. I, I'd put it as just from a like a, a consistency <laughs> or a, um, working together. I think when, when it came out that the SEC didn't have the plus one, it was just more of, of disappointment. Sure, for the rivalry game not being able to be played, um, and, it, but also disappointment. Of like, gosh, like we're hoping to have some consistency here between um, you know a lot of the power, all the Power Five leagues, but particularly ACC and SEC with the amount of overlap whether that's geographic or rivalry yeah. overlap etc so i think it's just it was just like gosh like we we you know th- there's things we should yeah, as a, just an industry um you hope that we could be a little bit more aligned on and the fact that we didn't align on that one um as announced currently that yeah there was certainly some disappointment and, and listen i know you know the, the the history of the acc of the clemson south carolina rivalry the second longest standing kind of from in the south and just all the history and they first came to Clemson, South Carolina first came to Clemson in 1962 and just the importance of the game. And obviously we're, you know, we've won six straight now. And so, you know, certainly just there's the competitive disappointment that I, that I had personally um, that I know all of us had. And certainly those that, that have the experience of the, the rivalry more long standing than me, it's, it was, I'm sure even more passionate. So had that um, for sure. And so because of that from 24 hours ago, now certainly our focus is on contemplating and trying to, Strategize on what that one looks like for for Clemson this year, and so we do have the the contracts, of course, with with Akron um, and Citadel, and so we're having to to balance those from the contractual standpoint, as we were before when we were right. you know hoping to be able to play South Carolina. So, you know, those are all the moving parts. I certainly can't get into a whole lot of detail there, but um, I know there's a lot of thoughts and, and discussions on how that could be constructed and how it looks for future years. And um, believe me, we're, we're into all those and, you know, whiteboards in and, and our offices and Dan's office here have some interesting thoughts <laughs> that uh, maybe, you know, in the future years I can put in the appendix of a book I write, but, uh, but we're, we're in the weeds on those right now and, and trying to get to a good plan for, for this fall.
0: Yeah, it's funny you brought that up because I I know you're really a rising star in the athletics administration business. And I don't imagine that any time during your growth in that area, there was a pandemic chapter to reference. So you're kind of all, I guess, sort of winging it at this point and and trying to figure things out and looking at it. You know, I don't have verification of this, but it has been reported. I've even heard it myself that uh, the SEC in their vote, it was 13 to one, that one holdout uh, being South Carolina really wanting to play this game we put an article up on our website today to kind of address that and how I thought that just showed what that rivalry means uh, to these two schools in 1952 they weren't scheduled to play and the state legislature said no that's going to happen we're going to make it a state law do you have any idea would a state law supersede the SEC's ruling and I mean is this game completely off the table Graham in your opinion at this point
2: um, Josh, it, yeah, it, and I saw some of those, um, you know, some of those mentions as well, the, um, uh, and you're, and you're right, like, I mean, that was my first thought as well, like, gosh, that's really, um, it, it speaks to the importance of the rivalry because of, I guess, how President Caslin voted that, and I'm, I'm sure Coach Tanner was a big part of those conversations, of course, um, so, uh, listen, Lon. At this point, they're at ten plus zero. We're at ten plus one. I, at this point, we're very much focused on on what our alternatives are. So, sure. um, I, I don't know that I can get into you know the, that being on the table or not. I, it's, it's certainly not a, not an active thought, and, and we're yeah. focused on the contracts we have in place and uh, with what the ACC um, well, plans are, and we're trying to execute those, and and we're trying to keep it focused in that
0: regard. Let me let me flip my question. If it were the other way around, in your estimation, would a state law Supersede the Atlantic Coast Conference's wishes for Clemson,
2: right? Gosh, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, I, I mean, that's a, it's a that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it is. I get it, and I know it's, it's given the history that you referenced back to 1952. There's, there's yeah. some, some history that would create the call, you know, call the question. So I, I, I get it, and it's, and it's interesting um radio show or message board talk. Seemingly, I, I just, I. I can't weigh in there just because I don't know, and it's certainly um, something that I it, it is not a I don't, I don't have any active um, notion that that's that's something that could or would or is happening by any stretch. So we're focused on what's in front of us with the plus one and and those contracts that we do have, and how to best set up the competitive and and fan um, interest from a from a Clemson standpoint. I will say, and, and I'm, I promise I'm not changing the topic just because I can't weigh in a whole lot on it. No, but, good. Um, you had referenced the a, a page out of the the pandemic. Um, circumstance uh, just as a quick aside in talking with uh, Jeff Scott who we all know and love and obviously now is his first year at South Florida um, and holy cow what a what a time to have a first offseason and a first season uh, I was actually chatting with him last weekend and it's, it's probably it's well documented I'm sure you guys have talked it on talked about it on your show um, of you know how meticulous and organized coach Sweeney is with with um, his program and his you know four inch thick binder and he's got the calendar all laid out and all the, the tabs and binders and And I know Jeff brought that with him and he changed the colors from, you know, orange and purple to gold and um, green. And, you know, but we were, he made the the joke. He's like, well, gosh, I was giving coach Sweeney a hard time because I didn't see the the pandemic, you know, tab (laughs) in the, in the all-in binder. It's got everything else, but there's no pandemic tab. So Jeff's trying to figure it out. He's doing, he's doing awesome down there. Um, Their first game is scheduled to be against Texas, which is the big 12. um, At least as we, as we talk here today is still on schedule. So he's, He's focused on the Longhorns. If that still holds, then uh, you know he's going to he's going to give it a go. But anyway, just a quick Jeff story, just to just to bring awesome. it back here to the Clemson fans that, that know and love him.
0: Awesome, Deputy Director of Athletics at Clemson University, Graham Neff, with us for a few more minutes. You can follow him follow him on Twitter at Graham Neff. So about about a month or so ago, you guys put out that the, the fan ticket experience would now be a virtual experience, and we still don't know. What those numbers are going to look like? Obviously, we've seen Ohio State with their projections of twenty percent capacity. Was that initial conceptual design of going to the virtual ticket? The realization that you might get right up to the you know right up to kickoff and have to make the decision of what you do in terms of of seating and capacity in Death Valley.
2: Yeah, it's a great question, and thanks for. I'm happy to. I'll shine some more light on on just the um, the strategy with it. Two two um, pieces with it. One, you, you're um, yes, you're right that like this gives us more flexibility. If now um, we're going to kick off as early as September 12th is now the SEC or the ACC's um, week one. So uh, obviously, right now we sit here. It's it's about to flip into August. And we, you know, season tickets would be hitting the FedEx boxes and the FedEx mail trucks here, um, kind of any like next week. And so inherently it's just going to allow us to buy more time to figure out what it's, what the seat manifest would be to allow patrons to, um, and if they donors to, you know, identify if they're common quantities, things like that. So yes, it, it specifically just to buy time and flexibility on it. I would, t- I would tell it, um, I would add this though. We had quite frankly looked at and had planned to have this shift to mobile ticketing, for next fall, the fall of 2021. Gotcha. So, um, and and I'll take you one step further. I actually, had probably planned to roll it out for basketball, men's basketball, for this fall. So, mm. really December or November of 20, and and kind of beta test it with basketball. Obviously, a smaller um, set of uh, just capacity, and and we could be a little bit more nimble with it, and then have that roll into football for 21. Um, so, yes, this need for buying time and flexibility and seat manifest. We just jumped to this more quickly, essentially a year or really six months ahead of time. So, so we were we were pressed. We were already down the road and had a decent thought of where we were headed with it, but certainly had to to roll up our sleeves and, and get into the weeds. And then secondarily, as it relates to our FT members and our donor base, and one of the things that that made us feel comfortable about jumping to it now, let alone uh, you know next year, which was the original plan, is that um, you know we feel like our 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 fan base, FT donors, season ticket holders are as much or more accustomed to mobile ticketing compared to many other um, fan bases, college fan bases in the country, specifically because of the experience that a lot of us have had um, in, in postseason with ACC championship CFPs that right. a lot of them obviously have been at pro stadiums where that's kind of how we've had to do it. Now, you know, all of us have different technology comfort and different phones and flip phones. And so I'm not suggesting that everybody's all fired up or that everybody's <laughs> you know ready to do it. But I think that, by and large, like we're going to be able to educate. We're certainly going to try to educate the heck out of our folks so they can understand and have a really good experience with it. But we do feel like we're starting with first on first base with a lot of our folks that have had that experience with it compared to others that maybe haven't been in those venues or played in those type of games and haven't directly experienced it. Like maybe a good amount of, of our folks have.
0: Graham, listen, uh, I know you're a busy, busy man, and we do appreciate having you on the program. I know Tiger fans will uh, be anxious to hear, uh, you know, more from you guys as you roll towards a, a potential kickoff. One final thing for you in saying that, I noticed a little note, and I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it on the Atlantic Coast Conference's release that the decision of who plays in the conference title with the single division will come down to the uh, winning percentage of a ball club. Given COVID nineteen, is there a chance that the team goes eight and zero, doesn't get to play ten games? and ends up being in a conference championship over say uh, a 9 and 1 team.
3: Well, as question. you understand um, it.
0: Yeah, as you understand it.
2: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and you're right, that was referenced in there. Um the I, I would tell you that, that I don't think we they've gotten all the way down to the to how the tie breaks are what the minimum number of competitive or of competitions would be to qualify, etc. I think there's um a, a, just a couple thoughts on it one i think that the reality that and we're seeing it with the miami marlins and and phillies and others like the reality that yeah we're going to have a schedule of 11 games all of us will in the acc but just yeah the reality that someone might be eight no because you can't play two for for testing reasons or that's just safety and welfare reasons so it's um, certainly not lost on on us in the conference office that we need to have a plan for not everyone playing the same amount of games. Quite frankly, the CFP, you know, is going to have to get into that, too, from a, a national ranking right. standpoint for playoffs, which is conversation for later on in the fall. <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll tell you this way. So like you're you're nine and one versus eight. No example. I'm not sure. But you can look in the ACC manual right now just with the. Um, you know, from last year, the tiebreak rules of, you know, it goes, it's like A to N, you know, as far as how, how that would go. And <laughs> so I know the league is going to get to, you know, what the, what the priority ranking and what some of those qualifications are. And so that question is going to be answered. Nine is nine and one, eight. No, how does that look? Um, it just hasn't been finalized, at least to my knowledge at this point, but it, it it will need to be at some point, but I think there's probably a little bit of time for that once they get the actual schedule out um, to do that. So, you know, listen, it's 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 really interesting. I will say this: I know we're wrapping up. Um, really intrigued by and, and interested in what our you know IPAA donors how they feel about it um, of the the one division format. And so it's all 15 this year with Notre Dame and take the right. top two. And how does that balance versus years past? Obviously, where it's, you know Coastal and Atlantic champion. And how, so I, we're just really intrigued by just to to have a a logical excuse to go to the one conference or one division, <laughs> but then see you know what if there's any lasting change with that for future years when we're you know, kind of back to normal, uh, whatever normal may
0: mean. Well, um, listen, when so you I'm guys, I'm just
2: curious to see how that goes. Just and the, the, the fan in me too.
0: Yeah. Well, when you guys send out an email blast, you get about 85% uh, return rate on it. So, uh, if you wanted to find out, you guys could. You guys do a great job. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 no doubt. Martin, Graham, yeah. Kind of thanks for thanks for having me.
0: Great conversation there with Graham Neff before the break. Hope you enjoyed that and uh, lots to uh, digest and get into. Again, want to encourage you uh, to head over to ClemsonSportsTalk.com. If you hate typing, ClemsonRadio.com will get you there as well. And uh, lots of different topics uh, going on, lots of things moving and shaking. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, while we were on the air with Graham, the, Pac 12 uh, put out their schedule. And I'm going to use that term loosely at this point. But uh, I did want to begin with the thoughts surrounding this Clemson and South Carolina game uh, in 2020 and, and whether or not that'll happen. Now, the SEC vote, according to multiple sources, I've even heard this as well, as I mentioned with Graham 13 to 1. We put an article together over on our website, Palmetto State Blues. If you want to go read that and get some of our thoughts on it, you can. Uh, I think it was a shrewd move by the Atlantic Coast Conference and Commissioner Swofford to get out in front of the SEC and say, hey, we'll play. You know, Red Rover, Red Rover. Send Carolina right over. And the SEC said, ah, you know what, we'll, we're going to play hopscotch. We don't want to play this game. And so, it really does make you feel like at this point, the SEC backed out of those games. But give South Carolina credit. You don't have to like the Gamecocks. You don't have to like your neighbor that's a Gamecock. That's up to you. But give South Carolina and the SEC credit because they wanted to play. And if you go read our article, I lay out the number of reasons why, why would they? You know, outside of the reality that is, it's a series that dates back, or at least a streak that dates back to 1909, and you're talking about two teams that love football. Kentucky and Louisville, they really care about basketball. Georgia's got relationships with Florida and Auburn that probably mean more than that Georgia Tech game. Florida would have been maybe the only other school that I would have seen jumping out in front with South Carolina saying, "Hey, let's save this." Except they've got a great matchup with with Georgia, the the largest outdoor cocktail party. I don't know why people stop calling it that, but hey, that's what I still call it. And Florida state's not what they once were. They've also got a, a matchup traditionally across divisions or across the league with LSU. But kudos to South Carolina. Now the question does become, and Graham Neff couldn't answer it, and that's fine. Not because he didn't want to, but because I don't think he knows for sure, and I don't think anybody really knows for sure. Would a law in the state supersede the leagues? I would argue it would. I would argue that the institutions could look at the conferences and say, look, we, we can't break the law. But we can't break the law. You could call us or text us 803-450-0086. If you choose to call, leave us a message 803-450-0086. But yeah, I think that if the state legislature said you got to play this game, I would think they would have to play it. And I lay out all of that information why I think that over on the website too, so you can read a little bit more into it. A couple of things I think help. The start date for South Carolina being uh, the SEC play begins September the 26th. Well, if that's when the SEC play gets going, then play a game outside of your league's calendar. We're going to play an unsanctioned non-conference game to, to stay within the laws of the state. But as Graham Neff pointed out, at Clemson, even if the shoe were on the other foot at this point, he doesn't know what that determining factor would even look like. But that all they can focus on right now is the 10 games that they have in front of them and then figuring out what that plus one is. And it sounds like that plus one, given the fact that the SEC is conference only and the Big Ten is conference only and the Pac-12 is conference only and you would believe the Big 12 is going to end up being conference only that you would see... Clemson play either Akron or the Citadel or maybe some of those group of five teams. And I think the group of five teams are becoming more and more interesting too. I mean, right now, if you're a group of five team like South Florida, Jeff Scott supposed to play Texas in the opener. I don't think that game's going to happen. I think the big 12, or excuse me, yeah, the big 12 is going to go all conference and the ACC can't fill every group of 5 teams needs. I mean, they just they just can't. And there there's just not enough out there. So from that standpoint, I think if you're a group of 5 team or a group of 5 conference, the the discussion and thought about moving things to the the to the spring and playing in, you know, separate, interdependently from the Power Five, and having your own champion this year, having your own college football playoff, if you will, and crowning somebody a national champion is a great idea.
1: I am too smart. I am too smart. S M R T. I mean S M A R T. I just,
0: I, I'll be honest. I just think that at this point for those schools, there's not. You know, there's not enough juice in the orange for the squeeze in the fall. And while spring football, like the USFL and the XFL and the American, whatever, Alliance Football League, the AAFL, or whatever we had recently, whatever that thing was, while it's never really worked, I think college football, given COVID-19... group of five games only in the spring would get some traction and it would get some coverage. And I think a playoff would get them a lot more exposure. And I would make the argument, and I've said it for years, and I think maybe COVID-19, maybe it took a pandemic to get Notre Dame in the conference. It took a pandemic to get Clemson from playing South Carolina. Maybe it takes a pandemic to get the group of five to wisen up to the fact that they are better off on their own island and just let the Power Five be. 803-450-0086. Speaking of the Power Five and football in the spring, two leagues potentially might be eyeballing that out of the Power Five, and what would that mean for college football? We'll discuss it next. Always great to be with you. The show that shakes the Southland, Clemson Sports Talk, two hours a day, technically a four-hour block. What do you, what do you mean, Swatti? two hours a day, a four-hour block? Well, if you're listening to us in the Midlands, you get us on Fox Sports Radio 1400. That's on the iHeartRadio app from four to six. If you live in the PD in Florence, you get us on Sports Radio 100.1, The Fan. That is also on the iHeart Radio app, except you get us from six to eight. You can listen on TuneIn there as well. You also get us in Manning from 6 to 8 on 9.20 a.m. So, yeah, it's a four-hour block. If you miss Graham Neff on the first show, technically, you could watch this show in a reverse order. You could li- or listen to the second hour first and the first hour second. You could listen to the second hour from 5 to 6 in Columbia, and then you could tune in in Florence and listen... Uh, to the first hour from six to seven. I mean yeah, so we give you clips of Sports Talk from six or excuse me from four o'clock until eight o'clock, four hours a day, filling up your your block and then we podcast and all that and it's live everywhere and people are commenting. We'll get to it. So get this news. And I, I know what you're saying. You said, Swane, you just talked about a schedule from the Pac twelve. Yes, I, I did talk about a schedule from the Pac twelve. But I I hope that we are at the point where you recognize that in 2020, just because you have a schedule in front of you or a plan in place does not mean that you are going to be playing football in the fall. How dare you fill my head with such loathsome propaganda? The, well, the truth is, and, and this is the truth, when we asked Graham Neff moments ago about the Atlantic Coast Conference's plan, they don't know they're going to get all these games in. And these leagues don't know for sure that they're actually going to play. California high school football is not playing this fall. They are playing in the spring. There are indications out there that not only will the Pac-12 potentially, and and let me just say say this now, they just put out the schedule. September 26th, Oregon's supposed to play Colorado. They'll play at, uh, they'll play at, Washington State on October 3rd. And, you know, they got a 10-game schedule, 11 weeks with a bye. I mean, they've got it all laid out there. Everything's out in front. Here we go. Buckle the chin straps, folks. College football's back. I mean, that's the tenor of the conversations the past couple of days because you have schedules. Your schedule means nothing at this point. Your schedule doesn't lock you into anything. There is no... There's no guarantee that Oregon and Colorado are going to kick off on September the 26th. Holy crap, I am freaking out. Don't freak out. But understand that right now, reports are out there. You can go to climpsesportstalk.com and read the in-depth coverage on that. If you're a premium subscriber, you can try it for a dollar. You can jump in full time for 6317, but I tell you to hold off. I would tell you to hold off until Monday. When our fall camp special kicks off at twenty dollars and twenty cents. But if you just want to support us and you just like looking at a sixty-three seventeen anywhere, some of you used to pump gas up to sixty-three seventeen when the gas prices were high. You'd get up to about sixty bucks. You're looking at it going. I-, I could get there and just take a picture of it, and put it out on social media, and rub that twenty 20- two thousand and three score in the Gamecocks' faces. Some of you still do it. and You love it. And that's why our price is sixty-three seventeen. But We've got the uh, premium deal coming, $20.20. And I'm telling you that in advance because we're about to make a run on subscribers. We're about to have a ton of new people join it. There's going to be a lot of conversations. You guys are becoming the heartbeat of our operation over on our website. You're the missing piece. You're the missing piece. We need you. But to get down into the brass tacks of it, the tenor of these conversations about when these games are going to happen or if they're going to happen are severely being diminished in those two leagues specifically. And so with protocols for testing and everything in place and a COVID-19 pandemic playbook and trying to figure this all out, uh, Sports Illustrated's Pat Forty, Said yesterday that the Big Ten has advised schools that there still may not be a football season during the fall. Now, you may say, yeah, but they're their, their advising. They're getting them ready. They're getting them ready for it. Then, here's this out of the Pac 12 there is ramped up talk about a potential January start. Now, look, they got a schedule in place, they got what they need to say. They're getting ready to get rolling. But there is no guarantee that these conferences are going to get started at all. I think you're going to see some major changes over the next two weeks. Some of these changes are going to include waivers for the student athletes to decide if they're going to play or not. We've already seen players beginning to opt out. I know that's something that Uh, Clemson fans have been fearful of if you go to a spring schedule I think that that is one of the things that people are beginning to fear because you saw at Virginia Tech one of the top cornerbacks in the Atlantic Coast Conference Caleb Farley opting out not going to play He's projected to be a first-round draft pick in the 2021 draft. Not going to play this year. And if it gets close to spring, I don't think Trevor Lawrence would play. I don't think he would play. I don't think Travis Etienne would play. I don't blame them. I wouldn't play. But right now, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, those two conferences, ladies and gentlemen, appear to be trending towards potentially... You know, the reality of more than maybe the ACC and the SEC, and maybe even more so than the Big 12 at this point, the reality that they might play in the spring. And what does that mean for the college football playoff? Are those just out, see you later, Oregon? Nope, you're not in at Ohio State? I really don't know. I really don't know. 803 450 you can text us, be a part of the program that way. You can also message us over on any of the um, platforms where we're broadcasting, like the Clemson dude did. He said, Graham, talking about Graham Neff, he said, bringing the knowledge today. Yeah, that was a great interview with Graham Neff. Uh, really good to get him on. I'd love to have him on more. That was some fantastic insight uh, into uh, the inner workings of the decisions being made at the conference level for the Atlantic Coast Conference. We hit a break. We come back with more right after this. the show that shakes the Southland Clemson sports talk on a Friday. Hope you're well. Thank you for being a part of the program. It is uh yeah, strange times, man. Fluid. Ha. Fluid is the word. I don't know if we'll call this the fluid edition, but fluid is the word, folks. And from that standpoint, again, you can you can put out schedules, you can give you five home, five away, you can talk about playing 11, you can give us the tiebreaker, you can say when you're going to play the game, when they're going to kick off, the two rivals aren't going to play, and and I'm going to tell you that we really don't, okay, so this is going to sound sort of counterintuitive, we don't know any more than we really do before. We just kind of have a guideline in place where you really don't know if any of it's going to happen. And so, you know, we put them out there and we hope that they happen. But believe me, if the Pac-12 and the Big Ten end up playing in the spring and the Big 12 and the SEC and the ACC end up playing in the, the fall, I have no idea what that looks like for the... You know, for the uh, college football playoff, or, or 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 what? I mean, honestly, I mean, I think it's just it's so crazy. And like in the in the past, I think you know, if you saw some news like what I started to pick up from some of our sister sites on the left coast of of college football, in you know, what they're kind of hearing on their end, it. it made me feel like man you know what this is something that's big enough to talk about and discuss and if you're if you're off and it doesn't happen and they end up playing in the fall you know it's that's just a part of it you might be off you might play in the fall i I don't think that anybody could say for certain what's going to happen at this point well pardon me mr perfect (laughs) i am try it. But yeah, I think that, that might be where we are. I think I think it's still very much here's our plans that are in place. We don't know if they'll be executed. You're just gonna have to roll with it. 803-450-0086. 803-450-0086. Uh if you want to uh spend some time with us over on our website, you can. Climps' sports talk. Dot com. Now, earlier in the week, we told you that Clemson basketball picked up a commitment from four-star, six-foot, ten-inch center Lynn Kidd. His father, Warren Kidd, played in the NBA for a season in, I think, 93 and 94 with the Philadelphia 76ers and then spent some time playing overseas. But Lynn Kidd was a young man who was supposed to play uh, come out of high school in the '20. 21 class he reclassified to the 2020 class and he will be joining Clemson or at least arriving on campus he told us August the 16th so some two weeks from today a little over two weeks from today now this is also interesting because it shows you how quickly these things move. Today, Clemson put out the note uh, that Lincoln has signed. So, I mean, obviously, if he's going to arrive to campus and be in the 2020 class, he would have to sign. But it's amazing how quickly. So, he joins PJ Hall out of Spartanburg and Olivier Maxence Prosper out of Montreal, Canada, uh, giving Clemson three uh, big name players, big big time players coming in. Uh, this year in this class, Brownell said, the talent in our program continues to rise. And another example of that is our addition of Lynn Kidd. He is an outstanding front court player with great size and athleticism. Lynn adds to our depth in the front court and will help us defensively with his shot blocking and rebounding. Offensively, is a very good finisher around the rim and has shown the ability to step out and make high post jump shots. Our staff looks forward to working with him this season. Uh, they they list him at six ten, two hundred and thirty pounds on Clemson's site. Currently listed as a top one hundred prospect uh, in the land, choosing Clemson over Miami, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, Auburn, and Florida. Here's what I'll say. And and some of you are going to go, whoa, that's high praise. And don't take it this way. This is not high praise. I'm talking about just his frame and his look running the court, not his skill set. Okay, don't get don't get crazy when I tell you who he kind of reminds me of. Because you got guys, I mean you got comparative guys. Like if if I said, Oh yeah, you know, he kinda reminds me of Shaquille O'Neal, you know what I'm saying. Doesn't mean he's gonna be Shaquille O'Neal. If I said, Yeah, he kinda looks a little bit like you know Michael Jordan on the basketball court, doesn't mean he's an ex Michael Jordan. Uh, this kid's frame and the way he plays uh, reminds me of of Anthony Davis. Now, I'm not going to tell you he's going to be the next Anthony Davis, who's the number one overall draft pick in all world, everything. But that's kind of what he looks like to me. He's a long kid. Block shots defensively, transitions in the floor well, very athletic. He, I, but look, he's I don't think, I, I never say never, especially in 2020. But, I don't think he'll ever be the scorer or anything that you've seen from a guy like, like that and how versatile a guy like Anthony Davis is and how good this guy's not going to be the number one draft pick in the NBA draft. But if 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 you said, well, you know, if you're driving in the car right now and you're going, God, I wonder what, you know, Lynn Kidd looks like uh, from the standpoint of being on the court and playing, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Anthony Davis. Mid-range game, long, tall, um, you know, can rebound. But again, an athletic big man. You know he's like he's not for reference sake to Clemson people. He's not Tom Tom Weidman. He's not Harold Jameson. You know I you know I tried to think of guys that Raymond Sykes. I think he's more athletic than Raymond Sykes, and certainly um, no offense to Raymond Sykes. Uh, not only is he more athletic than Raymond Sykes. I think he's more coordinated and better with the basketball in his hands. I mean he's kind of the modern big man. He's a he's what you hope to get. When you bring in a guy that kind of pl- can play that role for you, I think he'll fit perfectly for the Tigers. Hour two, stay with us. It's time for Clemson Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Ready, sit. Just call me Swanee. Tigers time. Tigers time. Is our number two. That's drive time right here on the show that shakes the Southland Clemson Sports Talk. Lawton Swan with you. Clemson Tom coming up here on the program momentarily. You know Clemson Tom from his time back when uh, YouTube was the only place (laughs) that you could essentially post and watch videos. And uh, Clemson Tom sort of built a name for himself from there. And he and I, uh, back during Clemson's during the beginning of Clemson's run of six consecutive trips to the college football playoff. That first trip, of course, the first college football playoff game for the Tigers was played down in Miami. And Clemson, Tom, and I at the North Miami Beach. God, what was the name of that place? The North Miami Beach something. Tom will remember. Uh, we had a Clemson party, and I did my show from down there. The North by... I can't remember the name. Let's see if Tom remembers. Tom, what's up, man? How are you? What? what? Yeah, I—I I, so remember when Clemson played... Yeah, I feel like... Dad, remember that time when? Yes, of course, son. I remember that time. Uh, top, remember when Clemson played Oklahoma in the college football playoff down in Miami? What was the name of that that restaurant slash bar that I, I did my show from? The North Miami Beach something something.
3: Yeah, it was uh, it was Miller's Ale House.
0: The North Miami Beach Miller's Ale House. Yes, indeed, That's there it. it was. Yeah, it was. Well, I was trying yeah, I was just saying we, we go back a we go back a long way, but really that was that was one of our, our first kind of moments together. I think you may even co hosted the show that day.
3: We did, yeah, we did co host, but we also co hosted when I came to your house that one day. Remember we went <laughs> out to dinner and we we, we uh like pre gamed what we were gonna talk about. We went back to your house in the the home studio when you started your podcast and we did it there too.
0: Yeah, that's right. I that was, like, a, that was like that was like
3: our first time hanging out and kicking it and stuff.
0: Well, speaking of hanging out and kicking it, the uh, the conference commissioners and the athletic directors and the presidents, they've been hanging out and kicking it, trying to put together a, an idea of what we're going to see, and we've gotten some of that cleared up here this week, I believe right now, Tom, as of 5.03 in the p.m. on Friday, the only league we haven't heard from right now, is, in the Power Five leagues at least, is the Big 12, and They've already been you know, playing a single-division conference schedule, so I wouldn't think that'll change given what we've seen out of the SEC, uh, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten now as well. But the ACC tried, Tom. They had a plus-one option, and the SEC turned it down. What was your initial reaction? Did we lose you, Tom? No! All right, we'll try to get hooked back up with Tom. I don't know. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Let's see. Let's see if we can get Tom back on the line with us here uh, this afternoon. Tom, you there, man? My face, I'm good. My face hit the mute button on the iPhone, and oh, I can hear you
3: all the time. okay. So that's my bad. But no, so they, you heard the he question. I did, because they think they're big and bad. They're like, you know, it just means more guess it's the toughest play anybody, anywhere, anytime. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And then they're like, all right, let's do it. And they're like, nah, sorry, man. We're just going to hang out over here. I will give South Carolina props, though. They're the only team that said, yeah, I'll, you go ahead. To. Yeah. I'll yeah. add it. I'll, I'll add it. I know I'm going to lose. But I honestly feel like it was probably one of those things where they, like, everyone else was like, no. And they're like, well, well yes, yeah, so we don't look like we're we're scared. It's like one of those things.
0: Yeah, look, that's, I that's agree. I think, I don't, I agree. I give South Carolina a lot of credit. We had an article on their website uh, today that uh, I did because I, I think they deserve it. If anybody, you know, in that league, stood up for the history and the tra- tradition of the rivalries, it was the Gamecocks, and we might give them a lot of grief, um, but that's the kind of rival you want. You want a rival that cares about it as much as you do. I can't say that yeah. for Florida State fans anymore that their rival cares about it as much as they do. I can't say that for Louisville fans or Georgia Tech fans, Clemson fans. It's- your rival cares. Yeah, it's it is. It's not cool, man. For football, that's
3: like, what are we going to do now? the so weekend? Like, you know what I mean?
2: What are we going to do? So I'm,
0: well, I'm not thrilled about. it. No, I, I'm not either, and I, I I, think it's off the table at this point. Um, we brought this up earlier talking with Deputy Director of Athletics at Clemson University, Graham Neff. If the state legislature passed a law, would that supersede the SEC's rules and, and would that game have to be played? And He couldn't answer that question, but there is precedent for it. Back in 1952, Clemson and South Carolina were not going to play and the state government stepped in and said, oh, no, they are going to play, and the Southern Conference allowed that game to be played at that point. So maybe the the government in our state, which has been a bit peculiar during the COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic, uh, <laughs> to say the least, but maybe yeah. uh, those guys can find a way to, to save this rivalry. But as of now, I, I don't think so. The big question becomes maybe more so, Tom, Do you think the Atlantic Coast Conference will keep that plus one option and play either a smaller in-state schools or maybe some other more traditional um, group of five teams that are a little bit more powerful?
3: Honestly, I think they keep it in-state. Dabo's even said, you know, sometimes playing the in-state, smaller schools, it really helps out the state. And at the same time, when when you play like a Wofford or you play – a Citadel I mean they, they get a everyone knows they get a pretty decent check I mean ask uh Georgia State how much they got for you know beating Tennessee I think it was over mm-hmm. a half a million dollars you know they almost said 750,000 that's huge for a small school like that to do that I mean so I think they would keep it in state it probably will be Citadel just because of the history with Clemson and Citadel um I would like to see Coastal Carolina um I, to be 100% honest with you, I don't really care who it is. I'm just glad that we've got confirmation that it's going to be football season. That's just that's
0: just how I feel. of Tom hanging out with us here on the program today, as he does every Friday. And Tom, from that standpoint, in the Atlantic Coast Conference, if you hate cupcakes, you don't get them every week. You're playing uh, an Atlantic Coast Conference team. I made the argument when the, the new release, I mean, we don't have a schedule. We just know who these teams are going to play. But... I think mm-hmm. North Carolina's the biggest loser of them all, given the fact that now, in order to play for the Atlantic Coast Conference championship, they got to get past the Fighting Irish, and they play heads up uh, at some point during this schedule.
3: They do, they do. But I mean, that's kind of what they want to do. They they keep saying they're they're on the way back up. You know, Mac Brown's talking about how he's getting everything back together. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with. What better way than to really cement you know your your foothold? of your claims than than to beat someone with the name of Notre Dame. Um, For some reason, Notre Dame is just having them on the schedule, put six points on the scoreboard for them. I don't know why. It it just is what it is. I really – I don't like Notre Dame just because of the arrogance that they have. But I – golly, and I don't like UNC either. Um, That would be a tough one. I probably would just root for (laughs) a good game at that point.
0: Well, and and I think the other thing too, Tom (laughs) – we don't, we we really, you know, and I, I've tried to be honest with our listeners. I mean, we have a schedule in front of us, at least we know the games, but there is no guarantee that you're going to play 10 of these or five of these. I mean, it's still very much, uh, you and I have touched on this quite a bit, you know, the personal responsibility of the individuals to do what they can to to give us an opportunity right. to play these games. And I mean, I think that's something that maybe has been lost over the past three or four days in the excitement of, thinking about what could be because you have a plan is don't forget that there's a lot you still have to do as a human being to help us get to these plans.
3: No, no, that's, that's right. There is still a bunch we. I mean, it could still get pulled, you know, I mean, hopefully not put a jinx on it, but the spikes could hit through the roof Yeah, and then they would pull it. I mean, it is what it is.
0: Well, and we've got a story up on our webpage right now in our premium forums about the, Pac-12 and the Big Ten, both leagues may be maneuvering towards a spring football season, even though the Pac-12 put out their schedules today. I mean, you look at the state of California. They're not playing high school football in that state this year. It becomes one of those things where you go, hey, if it's not safe enough for high school kids to play, why is it safe enough for college kids to play? Question mark? I think that's a valid question.
3: It's all about money, though. We both know that. All you have to do is follow the money i mean it's not it's not a secret you just wherever the money is that's that's what's going to happen um there's more money in college football than there ever will be in high school football uh, that's not even
0: that's not even up for debate
3: right there that's that's just a fact so as long as you follow the money everything will be okay
0: following the money of college football clemson tom on the show that shakes the Southland today tom from that standpoint, the Atlantic Coast Conference put together, you know, I, I think a couple of unique matchups for sure. And uh, for Clemson, you, you lost Louisville and picked up Miami. You lost NC State and picked up Pitt. You lost and uh, you flip flopped on the Boston College venue. Uh do you think Clemson's schedule is tougher now than it was? I tend to think it was I, I think it is. And the fact that they may ultimately have to get through Notre Dame to get back into the college football playoff, also throws a bit of a uh, bump in the road for the Tigers.
3: Yeah, one thing I do like is the top two teams make it to the conference final, which I always feel like it should be. Okay. Um, just like that one time we played, uh, gosh, who was it? Was it Virginia or was it Pitt? that We we went in, first play of the game. It was it was in. That was
0: Pitt, yeah.
3: Was it Pitt? Yeah, it was Trevor's freshman year because it was the first play of the game. ETN takes us to the house like 90 yards Um, like we, we knew what was going to happen. Um, it it later came out that the the Pittsburgh coach was like, there's no way we can win. Just don't get anybody injured. I mean, so they just, they just played not to get embarrassed basically. And, you know, we took our foot off the brake once we realized it was, it was in, in for the win. Um, but I mean, if it would have been, I don't know, whoever was second place that year, I mean, that would have been a better game. And even if we would have beat them or they would have beat us, then you got the revenge factor right there. Right. Um, the team that we would have beat to get in there, they could have been like, "Oh man, we can just revenge factor. We can beat Clemson. We can take their chances away from even going to a playoff." So there's a lot more riding on. There's a, there's a lot more of the storyline with it, to where the team with the revenge factor can beat the team. Now that that team that was supposed to go on to the playoff now legitimately has to come out and win, or they're probably not going to get a playoff berth. So there's a, there's a lot riding on it, and there's you know we all know, you know people like you and me love the storylines. So the storylines with that would definitely, you know, that that would write themselves. And so, I think it's something that should go just across the board. Um, you want to see the best games, you know, when you have, you know, Missouri and Alabama in the SEC championship game, and you're like, why, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> it's not even it's not even a contest. Yeah. You know, put Alabama and Auburn in there, and let's let's see them play it one more time.
0: Tom, the NBA got underway last night. A couple of uh, good matchups. I, I know you're an NBA guy with the, the Orlando Magic. And uh, we had the L.A. Clippers last night and the L.A. Lakers come down to the wire. We had uh, Utah and uh, who did I see? Were they playing Utah and Memphis? I can't remember the two teams that were playing now off the top of my head in the first game. But...
3: I didn't even watch it. I went home and, and went to what? bed. I was exhausted. But I can what? tell you in Orlando. Sports was on TV,
0: Tom. Wake up. <laughs>
3: That man, that ain't sports. That's just some guys playing pickup basketball. And no one really cares <laughs> about LeBron. that LeBron. That's let's be honest. No one cares that LeBron. And even if he does win the whole thing this year, it should come with an asterisk.
0: But You're not putting an asterisk um, on my Los Angeles Lakers on this show, buddy. This
3: is the first time I've ever heard you uh claim fandom to the Lakers. So oh yeah, what?
0: I've Hold it. on. <laughs>
3: I've never heard you
0: say like Do you Lakers. need me to spout the uh nineteen eighty seven starting five? I'll do it if you need me to.
3: I don't need to because you're sitting in front of a computer with internet with all the.
0: <laughs> I can't <know>. do it. Listen, <laughs> are
3: you a Lakers your fan your whole life?
0: My entire life,
3: <clears throat> all all fourteen weeks, huh? <laughs> oh, <everyone's wrong. laughs> all two years since since Kobe. <laughs> yeah, you probably a fan since Kobe.
0: You know what? I was never a Kobe guy. I was a Shaq guy. I hope. I wish they'd gotten rid of Kobe. <laughs> Only yeah. Get I'm serious. I'm serious. When that went down, I was a Shaq guy. <laughs> Yes. You're insane.
3: You are uh, crazy. I'm not Wait, a Kobe you want you guy. Back Dwight Howard, too?
0: Uh, uh, no, I'm an anti-Dwight Howard guy. I think he's one of the laziest guys in the league.
3: One of my closest friends in Orlando was really good friends with him. And when he would come in town, when he was with uh, Houston, we would hang out. I'm not a Dwight Howard fan at all. Yeah. yeah that is He is he, – he ain't, he ain't, he ain't, he can't he cannot run with my it, with my it, tailgate.
0: Let's put it that way. Look, Dwight. The, the reason I okay, so I didn't mean to turn this into bashing Dwight Howard, former Laker, <laughs> former Magic bashing. guy, but um, I always felt like Dwight Howard had the ability to be one of the greatest centers <laughs> in the history of the NBA. Yep, and. I'm I look my dad will tell you I was not the hardest worker in college I mean when I had been there for six years I put my hand on his shoulder and I said dad you know Clemson's gonna have a pretty good football team this year what do you think if I took one class in the fall and one class in the spring he said son don't press yourself so I took one (laughs) class in the fall and one class in the spring it took me seven years to get out of college Tom so I wasn't the hardest worker but my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> Dwight Howard makes me look like an Iron Man when it comes down to work ethic, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, it's um. I, my dad had a similar conversation with, with me when Wake Forest offered me a scholarship. And I was like, oh, man, D1, this is great. And he's like, yeah, Wake Forest academics and you are just not going to. uh." Get all, get all, uh to mess with. I was, oh, man, I was so mad at him, too. Yeah, and looking back, I'm like, I just, I was looking at the scholarship offer. I wasn't looking at the uh, the academic requirements. I wouldn't have made it. A, I would have made it through midterm.
0: Yeah, Tom rolls into his first class.
3: Go! <laughs> I'm like, y'all really study here? There's class. Like, you writing notes what are he taking down over there? I'm not taking <laughs> notes.
0: <laughs> oh man, Tom, buddy, listen. It's always good to catch up with you. I know you got a lot going on. Um, Trying to keep my eyes on everything that's taking place. Uh, It's wild, man. But uh, the fluidity of it all has not changed one bit over the past couple of (laughs) weeks. We just keep getting news thrown at us from left and right. Pac-12 put out a schedule today. Go check it out. I don't know if they'll play a single snap of it, but it's out there.
3: (laughs) Uh, I just want to know when our schedule is going to come out. All right, I know who we're going to play. Yeah. When do I need to book a flight? That's that's all I want to know. When are we playing?
0: Yeah, plan, you know, I think it's plan. tough. I, you know, we talked with Graham Neff earlier, uh, as I mentioned to you, the deputy athletic, athletic director at Clemson. And I mean it, you know, Tom. If it's two hours, two days, or two weeks, I, I don't know what to tell you at this point. I don't know if they do either.
3: What if? Okay, let me just let me just run this past
0: you. What if Clemson and
3: South Carolina magically ended up at Burns High School at the same time on the same day? Just happened to just happen, happen to, to be there, up. and every, everyone's. everyone's hey. you know, maybe may, maybe just five of them, and it just happens to be, or maybe ten of them—five on offense, five on defense. So I got I got ten tigers, I got ten gamecocks, and I got two coaches, Dabo and Brent. They got Will, and then and then they got the uh, what's that, the, the The OC they got, and magically a Tony football team. Yeah. Hey, yeah, it's not Tony, uh, Bobo.
0: Oh, I thought you were talking about Clemson. Sorry.
3: No, no, no. And then magically, a football game happens. You know? Why would we just do that?
0: I always argued that's I what UCF think? should have done. When they were undefeated, <laughs> they should have been waiting outside for Alabama or whoever it was that same year.
3: That would have been epic. Can you imagine? Right that's outside the stadium. For, that's an ESPN 30 for 30. <laughs> UCF a bus ride to Tuscaloosa, goes to the practice field, and says, what's up, let's play.
0: Right here. Shoulder pads, helmets, everything. We're ready to roll. Let's go.
3: Can you imagine, can you imagine saving all the disrespect? Can you imagine? <laughs> ESPN, how dare they drive away to Tuscaloosa? Hey, man, you want to play a pickup game? Just play a pickup game. Never See what serious. you got.
0: Tom, what's yeah, all to man. you next Friday, man? Y'all have a great weekend, okay? You do the same, brother. All right, buddy. Clemson Tom here on the show that shakes the Southland. All right, coming up. We sat down uh day before yesterday when the college football world was – Rocked by the decisions made from the Atlantic Coast Conference and the plus one model and new schedules with one of the best in the business. Pick6Previews.com. Britt Siancia on Twitter at Pick6Previews. Uh, we've got that audio for you coming up here on the program, so make sure you hang with us because Britt's got one of the best magazines, preseason magazines that's online. It's an incredible piece that you want to add uh, to your preview, stay with us. Clemson sports, taught Lawton, Swann with you. I mentioned Brett Siancia joining us here. Uh, pick Pick Six previews is the website. We'll jump right into that interview with him on the show that shakes the Southland.
1: Yeah, it's shocking news, Lawton, and, and thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be talking, uh, you know, Clemson and ACC going forward. Uh, yeah, shocking news that just dropped about a half an hour ago. Uh, we finally see Notre Dame, quote unquote, joining a conference you know, fully joining with a 10-game slate here, uh, you know, a lot to break down. So, first off, the divisions are knocked away this year. It's uh, no longer Atlantic and Coastal. You have a full 15-team league, uh, you know, vying for the number one and number two spots now. Uh, that takes away a lot of the, you know, the cross-division advantages or disadvantages that you have in scheduling. Um, so, you know, more of a truer round-robin almost. Uh, yeah, and then right away, I mean, the, the big news coming in is Notre Dame and how that impacts some of these schedules um you know they they avoid Miami and avoid Virginia Tech making those two teams maybe a potential easier road to the title game
0: yeah that you know that's one of the things kind of watching it as i looked at it yesterday and, and thinking through it all just from the standpoint of, you know, did the Atlantic Coast Conference look at some games and go, ooh, that might draw eyeballs? I mean, was that a discussion, you know, in the room? Florida State, Notre Dame, maybe the Seminoles aren't the best team in the country. They got a great defensive line, though. They've got some energy with Mike Norvell there as their new head coach. There's, a, a you know, some positive vibes, I think, from Seminole Nation. And, you know, that's a matchup, Notre Dame and, and Florida State, that people nationally will want to tune into, and and that wasn't a game previously scheduled. Do you think behind closed doors with the financial particulars, Brett, that that was part of the conversation as well?
1: You know, it definitely might have been. It's definitely an important piece here, but yeah, in the same vein that Florida State versus Notre Dame would be huge, of course Miami-Notre Dame would be huge with those uh, classic rivalry games uh, from the 80s and 90s. So I'm glad they hit on one of them at least, bringing in Florida State. That's a rematch, actually, the first um, college game day show on campus back in 93. That was that one versus two matchup um, that ended up, you know, going a long way in the title race. So, yeah, I think that's a huge matchup there. The one I'm really excited about, it might not be as much of a brand name nationally as Florida State is, but in terms of 2020, I'm really excited for this North Carolina versus Notre Dame matchup that that was added. Yeah, I mean, because with with UNC, you know, a high-flying offense, um, this was a, a coordinator I was able to talk to in the preseason, Phil Longo. Uh, just really impressed with what he's built in the first year there. Has a lot of success back at Ole Miss, back at Sam Houston State, even before that. But now bringing back Sam Howell for a second season, starting after you know shining as a true freshman last year. I know that Clemson fans know that. Uh, Notre Dame had him on the ropes. It was a it was a tight one. Um, but look for more improvement in the second year under Mack Brown and second year under Phil Longo. So uh, and looking at this schedule, I know it's really fresh. We're still analyzing it. Um, that game could go a long way in determining that second title game spot, assuming that Clemson locks up the first one.
0: Brett Ciancia, pick6previews.com with us here on the program, at Pick6Previews on Twitter. You can go follow him. One thing that I started thinking about as the ACC put out some information yesterday as well about the top five quarterbacks is that, you know, hey, if they revamp this thing the right way, maybe Clemson and Duke play and Chase Bryce gets to go up against Trevor Lawrence, unfortunately that wasn't a game that ended up materializing, but from the standpoint of the Clemson Tigers, they lose Louisville. Essentially, that matchup's replaced by Miami. They lose NC State. That's a natural rival that they've got. That game's replaced by Pittsburgh. Did Clemson go? You know, did their schedule strength go up or down yesterday? In your estimation?
1: Uh, well, I'd say I'd say it went up. I mean, adding Pitt is a uh, you know that, that's a tough team to play. A tough defense there. Um, you know, I, I actually had Patton Narduzzi on somewhat of a hot seat coming into 2019. And that's even despite winning the, 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 uh, the Coastal Division in 2018. Because when you make a hire like that, you know, a defensive coordinator guru hire, you want that side of the ball to be elite. Uh, and in, in his first four seasons, it actually declined every single year uh, defensively. Which, uh, you know, that's a shock. But finally, right. it came together last year in 2019. Uh, a lot of, so if you look at my all-ACC team, it's a ton of pit defenders. Uh, Jalen Twyman can make a case for, for all-conference uh, Ford and Hamlin back in the secondary is huge. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, adding them to the slate is big time. Uh, adding Miami is huge also because I had them forecasted in my top 20 uh, of my preseason poll there, having 20, uh, 20th overall. And, again, speaking defense, it's a great defensive line. Could be the best cash rush in the country with Greg Rousseau, an All-American returning. They bring in Quincy Roche, the All-AAC player. That's the All-American uh, player. Uh, at the at the other defensive end spot, plus Jalen Phillips, the former number one overall recruit. So that pass rush is going to be uh, going to be tough to handle right away for uh, for Clemson. So yeah, you're adding Miami and Pitt to quality programs there. Now you you lose the game against Louisville, which was a great offense. Sure. Uh, so it's kind of pick your poison. Do you want to go against you know an, an elite offense and elite defense? But um, you know I'm I'm excited for these matchups coming up. I mean Clemson Miami, that, that's a top 20 matchup.
0: Well, and then I, I think too we didn't mention this little schedule change that, that came out of it from the standpoint of Clemson. It can't be, uh, it can't be too excited up in Chestnut Hills, Boston College. Instead of being a road game for Clemson, will come back to Tigertown this season as well. I don't know that that's necessarily a, an impactful thing, but it's one of the little scheduling deals that I saw along the way. You know, some of these games got flipped from whether they were going to be a home game originally and into a road game at times. But again, from the standpoint of the national perspective. Uh, that Clemson Notre Dame game still going to be on the road. We don't know when the dates will be different. We do feel uh, that that's probably a, a pretty good possibility with rolling back the season by a couple of days. But nonetheless, uh, another matchup that could happen a second time because of this, you know, single division play. What are your thoughts on? Not just the odds that that happens, which I think people feel like that really could. I think North Carolina's chances to get to the conference championship out of the Coastal took a severe blow with this Notre Dame move and the fact that they play each other. But on top of that, just what do you think about single division and the top two teams by percentage? That's another key here. By percentage, you know, conference winning percentage being uh, maybe the deciding factor.
1: Yeah, it's it's really hard to forecast all of a sudden because you know, I, I spent from December till June six months at lockdown uh, writing this full studio, all 65 <laughs> Power 5 teams, right? Calling head coaches and coordinators and getting every piece of info I can. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the drop of a hat the last half hour, all those schedules are thrown out the window. So um, I'm, I'm catching up here on these on these uh, matchups. But uh, if you want to talk Clemson-Notre Dame, yeah, that, that was the game scheduled originally for November 5th uh, or early November there. November the 7th, end, I believe, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's still up there in Southfield. We don't know when, but uh, you know, on paper, these are the two best teams in the conference. Now If you call Notre Dame and ACC team, which we are now. So that, you know, that that's, that would have been the number one and number two ACC teams. Uh, I have Notre Dame eighth in my preseason book. Um, and what that is, it's, you know, uh, they look like a, a vintage 1980s Notre Dame team, a huge offensive line, a quarterback in Ian book that takes care of the ball. He's very efficient with the ball. Um, and then also a, a nasty front seven on defense. So, uh, that'll pose a different challenge than some of the other ACC foes that Clemson gets. Uh, and just the way this thing shakes out, like you mentioned, um, you know, it, it could very well be the first of two matchups. And I could have never imagined saying that, uh, you know, uh, even a week ago, much less with us earlier this morning. So, um, yeah, it's, there's a lot to consider. Could be one of two. And I think that second spot's going to come down to either Notre Dame, UNC, or Miami.
0: So there you go. Brett Siancio, with us here on the show that shakes the Southland. Tell you what we'll do. Uh, we're going to put that interview on hold. We'll hit a quick break. We'll come back and we'll wrap it up with Brett Ciancia here on the show that shakes the Southland. PickSixPreviews.com is the website. Brett Siancia with us here on the program. And, and Brett, you were kind enough to – share a, a copy of your you know preseason magazine with me and I don't know that our listeners you know have necessarily placed their eyeballs on it but I have to say I want to commend you on this uh, the thought process that goes into the layout of some of the little things that you've done from the bar graphs that sort of emerge from the you know the number of wins per season and and this that and the other that you've put together for these teams uh, it's a unique layout that's something I think that college football fans, uh, would love to be able to get their hands on. Tell everybody that's listening to us how they can uh, get a copy of the Pick 6 Previews and uh, you know more about your website and what you're all about.
1: Yeah, thanks, Lawton. So Pick 6 Previews I launched in 2012 as a college football preview website. Uh, the first seven seasons I was graded the most accurate in the country. And it's not just me saying it. It was Statson.com who's been grading all the ones you see on newsstands and all the ones you see online. Uh, so most accurate title through the first seven seasons. Last year, 2019, was my first comprehensive big book I put together, big PDF, Uh, you know, very detailed, all 65 Power 5 teams, Um, you know, and what goes into that is over 1,000 hours of film study, calls with head coaches, calls with coordinators, a ton of local radio and podcasts, because I love digging into the details, uh, not just staying too, you know, too broad like some of the other national folks, Um, really digging into the roots, Um, and then also my advanced stats and numbers, but the key being that, you know, I have all the advanced numbers and stats on the left side of the page. But I put it back into a very readable form uh, because it gets boring reading about how you know Clemson's 0.125 X and whatever acronym you want to call it. right. So I, I put that back into very very readable terms. I mean, because I'm a numbers guy, but I'm also a football guy. So uh, you know, get coaching schemes in there, X's and O's, What do the numbers really tell us? That kind of thing. a nice balance. So to find it, um, uh, it's on pick6previews.com. that's all spelled out. On there, I have a couple sample teams since it's probably a newer product to a lot of the listeners. So a couple of sample teams and testimonials. Uh, and then the last bit was after last year's edition, I was selected to become a Heisman Trophy voter. So uh, major credential there I'm pretty excited about and uh, heading into 2020 here.
0: You know, looking at it, you've got Clemson and Oregon, assuming we get to a college football playoff, which I, I still think at this point, sort of a kind of a dream and a wish for fans. But you've got number one, Clemson being the top seed, taking on Oregon in one semifinal. You've got Ohio State as the number two team in the country taking on Florida uh, as the number three team. Obviously, this was put together before we knew that the Big Ten would be playing only conference games in the Pac-12, and now we've got the ACC's schedule, and the SEC's certainly on their way with what they're going to do. Has any of that, in your mind, changed, given the tenor of what's going on in college football?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So with Clemson and Ohio State, those are still locks for me. That hasn't changed. Um, you know, They're clearly the two best and two most complete teams in the country. So however you want to put them, 1-2 or 2-1, those are the top two teams in the country and they're locks. From there, you know, Florida was kind of an outlier pick. I don't think any other publication has them in the playoff. And certainly Oregon was definitely an outlier pick. I can guarantee you no other publication will have them probably even in the top 10 or top six, let alone number four. So those, you know, Florida and Oregon were kind of roulette shifts, but I feel confident with them. Now, after these announcements, uh, yeah, the the book was published in mid-June. But after these announcements, I feel more confident with Oregon. I agree. Um, you know, Oregon, of course, was yeah. Oregon, of course, was slated to play Ohio State in September. And you know, when I released the book, I had already factored in a loss. I figured, hey, I, I think that we're going to lose to Ohio State, uh, but are they strong enough to go nine and zero in the conference from that point forward? I said yes. So I figured that a twelve and one Oregon team would make it, take out the Ohio State likely loss. They're looking like a nine and zero, you know, undefeated Pac champ. And I guarantee the playoff isn't going to leave out an undefeated Power Five champion. So. I like Oregon's uh, chances to improve. Now, again, you feel bad for, for the student-athletes, the local communities missing out on a major, major home game like that. Uh, but in terms of uh, being a you know a predictor here, it looks like their odds increased. Now, I think actually the SEC and Florida, their chances might go down. And this sounds odd uh, thinking that the SEC would be left out of a playoff. But think of it this way. Uh, you know, the, the SEC champ will always, you'd imagine the SEC champ would always make it in, even with uh, one loss or an undefeated record. But uh, in the case where the Pac-12 goes undefeated, Clemson and Ohio State go undefeated. There's three spots gone, and then what's to say that Oklahoma and the Big 12, if they limit their schedule down and they run through their league nine and 0, you know it's going to be tough to leave out an undefeated champ, which would leave you know a Florida, a Bama, a Georgia that goes through a gauntlet there in the SEC, maybe with a loss or two uh, left out. So you know a major, major variable there. I, I saw some rumors, don't want to confirm, but that the SEC might follow suit with the ACC going to a 10 game league schedule i mean imagine that 10 sec games i can't imagine somebody going 10 and 0 in that's late uh, plus the sec title game in eleventh and 11th game so uh, i would say the sec's odds in a weird way might have gone down
0: Britt Siancia, pick six previews.com on twitter at pick six previews a fantastic look at the college football season one thing we still don't know i don't think we've heard this yet and I, I, I'm assuming at some point Bill Hancock will make a statement, but could there be pressure put on from the commissioners and the athletic directors of these schools and these conferences to the college football playoff to try to, like you see with Notre Dame and the ACC, their home games that are on NBC, all of that money is going to be pooled and split amongst the Atlantic Coast Conference teams. That's something you'd never see Notre Dame be willing to do. These are extraordinary times. They needed help from the league so they're going to help the league uh, in return. Could we see a college football playoff expand one round for one season only to, of course, generate more revenue for for the Power Five conferences to alleviate what you just brought up perhaps, a potential where you have five undefeated teams maybe or some conversation along those lines where the SEC is like, hey, we have an extra loss because of the gauntlet we're going through and you guys know that. I mean, it, it, I think everything's on the table, Brett, but would you believe today that that's something that ends up being considered at all?
1: Yeah. What we learned the last four months with all of this is that everything's on the table. I mean, there's no way to forecast this kind of stuff. Um, you make some great points. I think that, uh, the, the loss of, you know, ticket revenue and gate revenue and concessions and everything on campus, uh, that's going to be massive. You know, they're, they're going to rely heavily on the TV deals. Um, but again, that's only a, you know, it's, it's not the complete revenue picture, what you'd normally get from a college football season. So, any ways to, to improve the revenue line they're going to look at. Um, I'd be okay with it. Uh, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I'm a very strong 14 playoff guy. Uh, I think that the expansion of a playoff to eight or 16, it starts to water down the college football regular season, which to me, I mean, it's 13 fall Saturdays. They're all holidays to me. You got, you know, 50, 60 games going. Every game matters. In factors into the, the big picture. So I don't want to get on that rant, but you know, if they <laughs> could agree that this would be a one, if they could agree that this would be a one-time thing, you know, only because of the shortened schedule and the lack of gate revenue and, you know, a very odd situation. I'd be OK with it this one time, but I would hate for this to be the reason why they just forced through an expansion just for the sake of it. Um So, yeah, a lot of things to consider there. Uh, if this were done as a one year deal, uh, I could see a lot of uh, positives to it. I mean, you know, like you said, there, there might be more undefeated than usual. It might be less dust settling from you know the lack of non-conference games that you normally get in September and the last week of November. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of pros to it this year. I'd be okay with it one time.
3: What have you done for me lately? It's a fair question. Just don't lose sight of the bigger picture. Don't forget history. Lucky for us at Clemson, the answer to the questions, what have you done for me lately? And what have you done always are the same. we win.
0: Final segment on a Friday afternoon, Clemson Sports Talk, Lawton Swan with you. The website, ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Clemson Radio will get you there as well. Clemson Tiger Radio will get you there as well. Don't forget Monday, our fall camp promo, rocking and rolling. $20.20 for one year of coverage. That's right. You'll say, what? Yeah, we do a fall promo every year, and this year I was like, you know what, it's 2020, it's been a bad year, let's make 2020 a good thing for once. (laughs) So uh, get ready to come join us as a premium subscriber, but more importantly, post in our forum, share our work, help us grow. You know, one of the things that has, I don't know if the terminology, if the correct terminology is, uh, it has confounded me, but try to get more people to like the page over on Facebook. I think we got like 7,000 something. And you might go, man, that's a lot. And I guess it is. But, I mean, there are sites that have 70,000 and 120,000 likes. I don't know what you got to do to get them. Uh, but if you can help us by liking our page, man, we'd, we'd love it. We'd love for you to do that. And so I'm checking out some of the comments here uh, on the show today, and we'll get those up on the screen in a few minutes. So if you are traveling, you can text us, 803-450-0086. You could call us if you'd like, and um, we can play your calls on the air as well. So that's what it looks like. And the Clemson dude gave us a call just a little bit ago. Here's what he had to say. It's the Clemson dude, man. I got a fix for the South Carolina game. We can't have our teams play.
3: Let's get our fans versus their fans in the valley for the first ever Tigers versus
0: Gamecocks. Fan edition, baby.
2: Woo!
3: I think that your time is done. I think that the spotlight should go
0: on top of me. Yeah! I like it, Clips of Dude. I like it. Gamecocks and Tigers, forget. Forget the football teams, <laughs> just get the fans. Or, you know, go get uh Clemson does the Clemson Legends game or what do they call it the the Sons of Clemson Bowl. Go get your you know, go get some of your old players and play a little pickup. I think everybody will be in on it. Clemson dude there. Uh you know what I like about the Clemson dude? He always drops a little you know, a little woo. And that makes me think about the Nature Boy.
3: And I'm saying, woo right here.
0: Indeed, indeed. 803 450 0086. All right, let's see. Um Edwards says would love a Clemson versus Florida matchup for the Natty. But we got a long way to go before and if we get there. You know, Florida to me, I know Rob Sanders in the Midlands has them winning the sec i think they got a they got a chance i'll a slight one i i'm still more of a sec west kind of guy at this point um I, I guess it really just depends on how things all shake out i i don't remember uh from the sec's release yesterday and i i probably should have paid a little more attention. How did they decide they were going to determine the champion? Are they keeping their, are they keeping divisions? I I really, honestly didn't uh, even think about evaluating it. I just know they went to 10 games. So, that would be something that I probably should know. But I don't, I don't. I've been so busy thinking about that plus one with the ACC. I've, I've kind of forgotten about what they, you know, what their schedules are going to look like. I mean, I know Ten games, conference only. Two open dates. Uh how are they determining their champion? Are they keeping the divisions? Um ooh, I'm looking. I'm looking. I don't even see it, so I'm assuming they are. Uh I didn't see them say anything about not having uh divisions so i'm assuming they'll continue to keep their divisions okay so it's unknown at this time how the sec will fill out their additional two games of its conference only schedule as a revised set of games will be announced by the league at a later date sec members traditionally play eight conference games each season six inside their division one permanent cross division opponent and one rotational cross division opponent Florida Athlete director Scott Strickland said Thursday evening that the SEC will maintain its two division structure and not play the 2020 season as a single division, a model of the SEC, I um, the ACC, moved to. Okay, so they are going to try to come up with competitive fairness, is uh, what they put in there. All right, so there you go. I was going to say I didn't hear anything that would make me think that they were going ahead the route of a you know a single division but there it is it just took me a minute to find it by the way uh, if you're a fan of the show and you tune in enough you you know i mentioned the fact that my chair was breaking the other day during the show it the screw broke the other day but the chair didn't fall apart it fell apart today so i'm currently sitting on part of a chair uh the back is laying next to me so i I guess I, i might be in the uh i may be shopping for a new chair or somebody with some welding equipment One or the other, because I don't know how to secure this chair any other way. Boy, if I could just tack weld that sucker down, it'll never break. It'll be good to go for the rest of my life. Thank you. Thank you, thank you to Graham Neff. Thank you to Clemson Tom. Thank you to Brett Siancia. Man, awesome week. So much coverage for you over on the website. So much more to come. Head over to ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Don't forget about our promo coming out on Monday. If you want to support us anyway, though, at 6317, come do it. We love you, and we appreciate you, and we can't wait to have you be a part of our forums. We got to get out of here. Until Monday, as always, y'all take care now, and go Tigers!